0: All right, let's Dearly Father, thank you for bringing us here this morning. Thank you for little things like sunshine, warm days and good fellowship. Thank you for keeping us capable of coming to this place of worship, for keeping the doors open for Inspiring spiritual gifts that make it all happen, Father. Thank you for the faith that you've given those who tend to this flock in this way to your glory, Father. We pray for everyone in the congregation that their spiritual health be built up and strengthened this morning. We pray for those in the congregation that can't be with us for some reason. Our prayers go out to them. We want them to know that we're with them in spirit, Father. We'd love to have them back for face-to-face fellowship. We pray for those in the world that are still lost, without hope, that they be humbled. And receive saving faith before it's too late. We are most grateful and thankful, of course, for your son's work on the cross. To cancel out that debt and to make a time like this of rejoicing. Such a wonderful thing to partake in. May we never become familiar with it. We do just ask for your blessings on this morning's message. May it be edifying for our souls. We ask this in Jesus Christ's precious name. By the power of the Spirit we do pray. Amen. Part 73. Here's what the Spirit kicked off on Thursday up here in the board. Ignoring the truth never changes it, no matter how hard people seem to struggle with it, how hard they have proof, quote unquote, proof against it, Um, no matter how vehemently they reject it. The truth is the truth. It just is. And God is the source of truth. Uh, Jesus Christ described as the fullness of grace and truth. And so it is what it is. And it's our option, our choosing, um, of whether or not we're going to accept it. But it never changes it. So you're better off facing the truth. Head on, and dealing with the consequences, whether good or bad. And that's it. Okay, go home. I'm just kidding. I could really end there and say, hey, go think about that, honestly. Because that's really what the Spirit's going to illuminate this morning, over and over. That it's the truth. And whether we like the truth or not is literally not the issue at all. It just is. And we're just. So much better off just orienting to it. And it just literally takes all the guesswork out of life. It's when you start challenging the truth or you don't like the truth or your human sensibilities are offended by it or your human flesh is kind of up in arms over it. It's when we get into that game that things become difficult, that misery sort of seeps in, right? And it starts off sort of slow at first. And you're like, oh, it's not too bad. You know, I'm just kind of... Eventually, you end up in this miserable heap on the side of the road. You no, know, literally, figuratively, I don't know. Because all because you decided to veer off or veer away from truth. Again, you're better off facing the truth head on and dealing with the consequences, whether good or bad. So the question is, you know, why? Well, for starters, truth is light, and light always wins in the battle with darkness. Well, that's a really good reason. One of the greatest deceptions of all perpetrated by the kingdom of darkness is to get you to think that you're winning while being disobedient. The kingdom of darkness is really good at that, enticing you, tempting you into thinking you're winning, and for a little while, it might get the best of you. Because you don't see the consequences of your actions or your thinking, even you don't see the immediate reaping what you sow, which is biblical, and so you think you're thinking, quote unquote getting away with it. If that makes sense for a time, and the kingdom of darkness is like absolutely. See, there's nothing to fear here. There's nothing you can disobey God all you want, and you can quote get away with it. And the kingdom of darkness helps perpetrate that because it might have you under pressure, pressure, pressure. And then when you start doing something that's against God's will. The pressure's off and you're like, look at that. My life got easier when I started disobeying. And so it's easy to be tempted into thinking that you're winning, but you're actually digging yourself deeper and deeper into a pit that eventually you have to crawl out of. And that's one of the great deceptions. Um, that the kingdom of darkness perpetrates on us. Uh, The best example, and, you know, if DJ was up here, he would certainly say the same thing, I know that, is with so-called romantic love, you know, the whole quote, love thing, where for a time, you know, some call it the honeymoon phase, life is grand. You know? New relationship, you know, things are exciting and, you know, the world starts leaving you alone and the next thing you know, you know, you've got somebody paying attention to you and all your human sensibilities are now being sort of, you know, quelled, if you would, or, or, or satisfied for a time and, you know, life you think life is grand. And then eventually it all comes crashing down because it was never from God. It was never from God. And so the whole activity, the whole thing of it, was a ruse, was basically you digging a pit. Um, And then eventually God says, I told you at the outset, I'm never mocked. I don't want you doing those things. I've got much better plans for you. And I'm not going to support you in anything that's against my truth. And so you're better off just abiding in the truth. And so if you think about messages like that, these messages, are, they're, they're being given for your protection. They're to sort of wake you up and stop you in your tracks and say, wait a minute, take a look at what, what's going on in your life right now and are you making good decisions? Are you orienting to God? Or are you attempting to, you know, win? On the side, you know. Thursday's theme, as well as this week's blog, is pretty much stick with Jesus and you'll go places. You know that old saying: stick with me, kiddo, and you'll go places. Well, stick with Jesus, and you'll go places. This week's blog up here in the board: the practical road to peace. And don't. The key word there is the is practical not just the road to peace, because that's something you can learn, and people like to learn academic stuff. But what about the practical road to peace? What about the practical side of living? You know, the 24 hours that you're on this earth each day. What about all of that? Because that's a long time. 24 hours is a long time to actually live for him or not live for him practical road to peace. The Spirit is obviously nudging us to take a good long look at our lives and how we might find peace by, you know, walking the walk. Not just talking the talk, but actually walking the walk. Of course, in biblical terms, this translates, how can we be more obedient? At the end of the day, that's what this comes down to. How can we be more obedient? Obedience implies walking in the light, and since the light always defeats darkness, and light is righteousness, according to Ephesians 5 up here in the board. Ephesians 5:9. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. So if all that is true, then if we walk in the light, we expect to bear the fruit of righteousness. Which, according to Hebrews 12.11, is at its core peace. If we obey, we're righteous, we walk by means of the Spirit, we have peace. Go to Hebrews 12.11. Mm-hmm. Hebrews 12.11. That's what the Spirit's trying to give you this morning. Peace. Not just an academic understanding of it, but an actual experience of peace. Hebrews twelve, eleven. <clears throat> for the moment, all discipline, and we'll get to discipline again this morning, for the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Maybe while you're going through it, you're huffing and puffing and dragging your feet and crossing your arms and stomping here and there. And, but at the end of the day, if you trust the Lord, and His word says later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it, then you have something to look forward to. There's hope in this endeavor of obeying God. In other words, if we're to just net it out, I know I said a lot of stuff and it might even have been somewhat difficult to thread it all together. I get it. Here's the takeaway. Obedience, also known as righteousness, obedience means peace. How about that? That's it. Obey God, you have peace. Disobey God, that peace is disrupted. Misery seeps in, yada, yada, yada. Oh, but I'm winning the game right now. No, you're not. You're digging a hole. And the kingdom of darkness is leaving you alone because it knows you're an idiot. How does it know you're an idiot? Because this is the 100th time you've done it. Which means you're also a slow learner. You get what I'm getting at? Go to uh, again. You're at Hebrews twelve eleven, right? But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Again, obedience, also known as righteousness, means peace. Scribe that into your notebooks or your memories right now. Do yourselves a big favor. Favor. Obedience means peace. Go to James three eighteen. James three eighteen. One of the things that the Bible speaks to is, you know, the the value of uh, age, right? That we are to honor those that have age-born wisdom. Why? Because they're the ones who can tell you, yeah, God's not a liar. (laughs) Kind of been there and done that a few times myself. Take it from me. Save yourself some aggravation. It doesn't work. Doing things your own way, which is tantamount to saying disobeying God, does not work. And that's the beauty of having older people in your life that you can turn to who will be a good friend and tell you to your face. It doesn't work. Just trust in the Lord. Hand your life over to the Lord and things work out in the end. Try to play games and you're going to get burned. James 3.18 In a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. I repeat, obedience, also known as righteousness, means peace. Furthermore, as James 3.18 states, peace begets peace, peace promotes peace. Peace promotes peace, which, given all we've learned about the sphere of God, makes perfect sense. Peace, righteousness, obedience, love, these are all part of the same sphere of God. Something Paul pointed out in the midst of refuting arguments over food, go to Romans 14, 17, Romans 14, 17. I know I'm giving you a lot to think about, but that's good. It's Sunday morning. You're nice and fresh. Romans 14, 17. At least you're not looking through some kind of weird haze out of your eyeball like I am. I had to put all this weird ointment in my eye because of this sty in my eye. And you know how that goes, right? Then it gets on you like the lens, and you're like, it's kind of funny. Like it's all hazy. Do you understand it? That? Yeah, that's what I'm dealing with right now. Can you see it? All right. <laughs> Romans fourteen seventeen, for the kingdom of God, in other words, the sphere of God, is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. How about that? That's the sphere of God. That's the kingdom of God, of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. In other words, all those things are gathered unto him in the sphere of God. They're all part of that sphere. That's why you never think of them as separate items. They're all collectively in the same sphere. So if you have joy, you have peace. If you have peace, you have righteousness. If you have righteousness, you have joy, right? They're all this way. It's not one or the other. So we might say abiding in the Holy Spirit is tantamount to walking in the Spirit, which is tantamount to abiding in the sphere of God experientially. And that's why we started the way we did this morning. Abiding in the Holy Spirit is the same as walking in the Spirit, which is the same as abiding in the sphere of God experientially. Go to Galatians 5.13. Galatians 5.13. A lot of scripture right out of the gate. I love it. Galatians 5.13. I hope you're following along. Hopefully you can see what the Spirit's trying to give you this morning. Remember, the the theme is that obedience, also known as righteousness, means peace. So if you want peace, then you have to be obedient. And he also threw in that little disclaimer, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. Galatians 5.13 For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. We just saw what walking by the Spirit, righteousness, joy, peace, right? In that sphere, walking by the Spirit experientially. I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the the Spirit are against the flesh, For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing, doing the things you want to do. And that harkens back to the practical side of what the Spirit's been saying. To keep you from what? Doing. From what? Doing Doing the things you want to do. Do you you see the difference here? You can flap your gums all you want and then go do something else. That's what the flesh loves. The flesh plays that game, that religious game. I'm going to go to church, right? I'm going to play the game, right? And then as soon as I go over that threshold, back in the saddle, baby. Back to my life. Back to doing things the way I've always done them. Pleasing to the flesh not the Spirit, going to walk by means of the flesh, experientially, even though I've been given all these privileges, all these warnings, all these protective messages to guard me against digging a pit for myself, doesn't matter, it's a nice day out, I'm in love, I'm going to go do this thing, this unholy thing. Whatever it is, you choose your poison. It doesn't always have to be relationships, but often it is. I'm just going to not do it to satisfy my flesh. And the Spirit's really saying, that is incongruent. That's against what God's desire is for you in your life where the end goal is abiding in the sphere of God, where there's joy and peace and righteousness and love, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. To borrow from this week's blog up here on the board, The Practical Road to Peace, the kingdom of darkness is designed to keep you from doing. It might even concede you being here this morning. Does that make sense? if it knows that as soon as you walk across that threshold, it's just business as usual. It'll give you that. Does that make sense? It'll help you get here if it knows that you're just playing a game. Does that make sense? It'll help you out. It'll say, oh, yeah. Start the car. That's so weird. The car wouldn't even start yesterday. No, 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 no. Start the car so they can go play religion. Because I know as soon as they get out of that place, they just go back to their fleshly living. I want that to keep going because that gives them that little religion. Does that make sense? Satan's not dumb, people. He's a lot smarter than anyone in this room. All of us combined. He's not dumb. The kingdom of darkness is designed to keep you from doing. If you only think righteously, Right, You come here to church and you're like, I get it. Yeah, amen, brother. And your head's like, yes. Makes total sense. And then there's no doing. What have you gained? Other than responsibility to the Lord. Other than the convicting ministry of truth in your soul. If you only think righteously but fail to do. Righteously, you miss the blessing of abiding in the sphere of God experientially. This is not a legalistic statement, okay? Rather, encouragement to live and walk by the Spirit. Galatians five sixteen. I'm not up here saying you better do this or you're going to hell. I'm not being weird and religious on you. I'm not being legal- legalistic with you. I'm teaching you what the Bible says. That if you want to be blessed, you have to be doers of the word. Sound familiar? James one twenty one. not merely hearers who delude themselves, but doers of the word. Not just people who think it's great and grand and wonderful and it resonates and hallelujah and I'm so convicted. Woo, 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 woo. Oh, it's 11.30, I'm out of here, back to my world. Back to my practical living in the flesh. Jesus, I wonder why come Wednesday I'm miserable. You're right. In other words, the kingdom of darkness is designed to keep you from doing. If you only think righteously but fail to do righteously, you miss the blessing of abiding in the sphere of God experientially. This is not a legalistic statement. Rather, encouragement to live and walk by the Spirit. Relations 5, 516 We have the indwelling Holy Spirit inside of us if we're a believer. We are called to submit to him and utilize his power to live our lives. This is what true obedience looks like. We submit to him, we walk in the spirit, that's what it means to be obedient. So again, this is what true obedience looks like and therefore true righteousness and therefore true peace. Are you seeing a pattern here? I hope so. Walking in the light always wins. Up here on the board, light shines into darkness, light always wins. If you are deceived, even if you don't know exactly how, then keep taking in the light, which is the word, and any darkness in you will be exposed and defeated, assuming you remain humble in receiving said truth. Let's review that magnificent chapter we read last time. Go to John 3.19. John 3.19. John 3.19. and this is the judgment the light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil Mm. for everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed what word do you see there twice does for everyone who does wicked things, hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his works be exposed. A lot of doing there, isn't there? A lot of doing, staying away from the light. A lot of practical things going on there. A lot of doing. As doing the wrong thing. And then look at verse 21. But whoever does, doing, right? Doing, whoever's doing, whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. His works, in other words, his doing, have been carried out in God. And so it's hardly sufficient just to come to church on a Sunday morning and say, I've met my quota or some weird, truly legalistic thinking. I've met my quota for the week. I went to church. I'm a good little doobie. You know, my grandparents patted me on the back and said, oh, good job, sonny boy or sunny girl. You know, you did the right thing. You went to church. Big deal. Honestly, big deal. To whom much is given, much is required. So you get these pearls given to you. What do you do with them? What do you do with them? Again, the point on the board: light always wins. If you're deceived, even if you don't know exactly how, then keep taking in the light, the word, and any darkness in you will be exposed and defeated, assuming you remain humble in receiving said truth. So, if you want, raise your hand if you want to enjoy life. I do, right? Obey. Keep. How many people say I want to enjoy life? Okay, who wants to obey? Uh, I look at people like, is this a trick question? Because sometimes I I really do, but then I don't. I don't do the things I want to do. I don't do the things I should do. I I don't be confused. you like Romans 7, right? I don't do the things I want to do. I do the things I don't want to do. Right? It's a trick question. It's not really a trick question. That's the war. The new creature is like, yes! This flesh is like, no! The flesh is doing this. Right? It's like that put that arm down everybody wants to enjoy life but it feels funny when you ask that question because it seems like half the time nobody's doing nobody's obeying nobody's actually enjoying life because nobody's actually obeying nobody's doing the word they have it but they don't do it they know the right thing to do but they don't do it and so they're sinners all because of obedience. So, if you want to enjoy life, then obey. If you want peace in your life, then obey. If you want all the wonderful blessings found inside the sphere of God, then obey. And that's your pattern. It's actually really simple, isn't it? You're saying, What do I need to do? What do I need to do? One thing obey. No, no, no. What do I need to do? You know, you know like, what, do I walk old ladies across the street? Do I do this? What, what do I do? You sound like the rich man, right? What must I do to gain entrance into heaven? And Jesus basically said, get your attitude straight, first of all. Right? You first have to learn how to love others, but that's another story. It's really simple. You don't have to learn to do anything religious. You just have to obey. So there's like this is a perfect example coming to church. Why did you come to church? Because you were going like this? Checkbox. Good for the week? Or because you were obedient? Because God says you need to learn the word, you need to submit to that pastor that you that I gave you to submit to. You need to submit to the Word. See, they're two different things, though. So you have your pattern. Obedience. Obedience. You're here, hopefully, because you're obeying, not because you're religious. One is in accord with the Word of God. True obedience. One is obedience to a construct from the human flesh we like to call legalism or religion, false religion, where you're thinking God's going to bless you out because you're doing what looks good on paper. Two completely different things. Completely different things. And so if you really think about obedience, it's obedience to the Word. So whatever's in your Bible, whatever God the Holy Spirit convicts you of, it can't just end here. It can't just end as a nice Sunday morning thought. It has to become you. It has to, in duo, be warned to put on. Right? Put on Jesus Christ. Up here on the board, John eight twelve. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying... I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so the Spirit's been saying, look, be really practical about these lessons that we're being taught from this pulpit right now. Be really practical. That's what the Spirit's been saying all week, including the blog. And I, I said it this way, and, and I apologize if anyone's ever struggled with the actual physical minute." disease of bulimia up here on the board spiritual bulimia it's not enough to consume and even enjoy the meals you receive from this ministry if you vomit the truth out of you as soon as you leave this church you gain nothing but increased responsibility to the Lord for what you've been taught yeah it's not enough just to have it implanted here It's got to become you. You have to be a doer of the Word. In a very practical way, it's all too easy to leave this building and plop right back into the saddle called your life, which for many people is fairly described as a train with a lot of momentum. I get it. Some people don't show up to the faith until they're 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years old. And so there's, life has momentum, right? We have have, uh, relationships, we have routines, we have habits, we have jobs that lend themselves to said things, we have family members that have their own set of routines that lend themselves to that thing, and so everybody's sort of organized in this flow, this momentum, everybody's on the same train, that's how you have some semblance in your home even, everybody's on the same train, but what happens when you find out the train is going in the wrong direction? Somebody has to pull that thing, you know, like in the, in the movies, right? You pull the thing and it's like, they always show the same thing. The wheels go, it's like, nobody? Jeez, man, nobody's ever seen any of these movies? Oh, that's right. You guys don't even have TVs anymore. Right? It's a lot. And that's where leadership comes in. And I believe, very fiercely even, that that's why God puts the man on trial as the head of the household, because we're supposed to be the leader. We're supposed to be the first one reaching for that thing that says, this is going to get ugly because my family's not going to like one bit what I'm doing right now. But I have to do it because I'm the leader. God made me the leader. Boom! And all you hear is, what? Right? What do you mean? It starts with the woman, curse God and die. You still hold fast to your integrity, curse God and die. I'm not saying it always happens like that. And the kids are like, oh, you don't understand. Right? These are my life. But somebody has to do it. Otherwise, the train just keeps on going. Right? Somebody has to take that stance for christ and if you don't who will not just i'm not even just talking to the men at this point they have the sort of highest order of authority in a family but women you do too children you have your own levels of authority over yourselves even if you don't take that action seriously who's going to do it then honestly who's going to stop that momentum if if you don't stand up for christ who's going to do it Right, So for many people, it's fairly described their lives as a train with a lot of momentum that's heading in a dangerous, unfruitful, unfulfilling life of misery. All because they refuse to get off the train or stop the train. Remember, the God of this world, Satan, has designed the world's system of thinking to lead you away from the truth any way it can. anyway. And it has no scruples. Media is among the most effective devices he uses. We know that. Distraction is his goal, as we talked about on Thursday. Distracting you. But given what the Spirit just pointed out, on all that up here on the board, why would you ever want to be distracted from the truth in the first place? It's bizarre. Not really, I'm being facetious, Right. Why would you want to be distracted from the truth? Well, it hurts, or I don't like the truth, or it's offensive to my flesh or my human sensibilities, blah, 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 up here on the board. 1 Corinthians 10.13 in the Amplified. No temptation, regardless of its source, has overtaken or enticed you. That is not common to human experience, nor is any temptation unusual or beyond human resistance. But God is faithful to His Word, He is compassionate and trustworthy and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability to resist. But along with the temptation he has in the past and is now and will always provide the way out as well so that you will be able to endure it without yielding and will overcome temptation with joy. So what does that spell? There are no excuses for unrighteous living. There's no excuse. I, I don't want the truth because it's too hard. Then you have to make a choice. You either say that that's true or God is a liar. Or that's true and God's a liar or that's not true and you're a liar. Those are your options. Either God's a liar or you're a liar. Would you like any help? Honestly. Would you like any help unraveling that mystery? There are no excuses. None. Say it with me. How many? None. None. There are no excuses for not doing the Word of God. There are no excuses for disobedience. None. None. Oh, but, but, there's no buts. It's literally none. So stop making excuses, because that only propagates the train. Well, I can't get off now because, well, you know. No, not really. I get it. I understand. But not really. Eventually, you think that's going to get harder or worse? It gets harder. The longer you wait to rip the Band-Aid off, right, the more it welds to your skin, if you have like hairy arms like mine, it hurts, right? TMI, I'm sorry, right? You know I'm getting that, right? You're better off ripping that Band-Aid off now than tomorrow or a week from now, or a month from now. And if that means getting rid of people in your life, certain people in your life, then do it. If that means separating from certain circumstances or situations in your life, then do it now. Like, really, do it now because it only gets harder Each day that you let it go by, you give the kingdom of darkness more glue. And Satan shows up every day and goes, let's just put a little bit more glue under there. Right? And just, it gets stickier and stickier and stickier. It does not get easier. It gets harder. So you're better off cutting bait now. There are no excuses. Remember, simply knowing the truth is never enough we are called to walk in it. Hence our previous principle up here on the board, the practical road to peace. The kingdom of darkness is designed to keep you from doing. If you only think righteously but fail to do righteously, you miss the blessing of abiding in the sphere of God. Experientially, this is not a legalistic statement, rather encouragement to live and walk by the Spirit. The truth is that God wants all of you, not just your brain. Does that make sense? God wants all of you, not just your brain, not just your thoughts. He wants all of you. That is the truth that is clearly stated in Holy Scripture. Sadly, not everybody wants this truth, though, up here on the board. Why not the truth? Well, a lot of people want to be lied to because they've been deceived into thinking that their life will be easier. Some of you right now are going, man, it'd be real easy if the guy would just lie a little bit. I really, 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 really did not like it when he said you might have to separate from certain people. And you know in your heart already who those people are. You know the people that do not love Christ in your life, who are not good for you, who are not good for your families, who are not good for your other godly relationships, who are not good for your relationships with this church even. You know who they are. And so your flesh is like, Ah, man, I did not like when he just said that. Couldn't he just lie to me a little bit and and concede something? I do not have the right to concede any ground. I don't have that right. I have to teach the truth. I don't have the right to try to even make it easier for you to digest, I would be doing you a disservice and dishonoring God. It's not my right to move the immutable truth in the Word of God. This is what it is. Remember when we started. The truth is the truth. Whether you reject it or not isn't the issue. It doesn't move. It's immutable. If I try to move it by teaching messages that are in the, you know, they start stretching away from it into these gray areas and just so I can accommodate your human sensibilities or not offend you on a Sunday morning and grow my church. I'm not, I'm dishonoring God. So I'm not going to do that to you. I won't lie to you. And in my notes, whether you want believe it or not, in boldface, it says, it's time to clean house. It's time to clean house. Start on the innermost concentric circles and work outwards. In other words, start with yourself. It's time to clean house. It's time to like, you know, ground zero. Let's clean this place up. This place is filthy. My life is filthy. This place is filthy. It's time to clean this place up. Again, start on the innermost concentric circles and work outwards. Jesus Christ could come back this day. Jesus Christ could come back this day. Do you realize that? Have you forgotten? Theologically speaking, we call this the imminency of Christ's return for His bride. Go to First Thess- uh, Thessalonians five one. First Thessalonians five verse one. <clears throat> 1 Thessalonians five verse one. It's time to clean house. It's that simple. Time to clean it up, folks. Time to look across and see what's filthy and rid yourself of it. First Thessalonians 5.1. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware of that, that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. That means we don't even know when he's coming. It's imminent. could be today. one another up, just as you are doing. And that's precisely what I'm doing for you right now, building you up. The only viable way to truly encourage another person is to give them the truth. Honestly, truth be told, right? I can try to appeal to your sensibilities and, you know, try to be a nice guy and a swell guy and, you know, you might like me a little bit more, but what truth did I give you? Honestly, what truth did I give you? The Bible says truth sets you free, not my sweet personality. The only viable way to truly encourage another person is to give them the truth. And if that truth is convicting or painful even, then good. Up here on the board, Galatians 4.16, have I become your enemy by telling you the truth? Good, I'm glad it stings. I'm glad it's rooting out some of that disgustingness, some of the the, the plaque, in the grime, in the crumbs, and everything else that's on the floor of your soul. It's time to clean house. It's time to take out the disinfectant. You follow? And don't just don't just run through your living room with a spray can. Shhh, it smells good now, doesn't it? No. We're talking about scraping off, disinfecting, digging deep, moving couches, moving furniture, telling everybody, get out (laughs) while I clean house, scrubbing walls, scrubbing floors, scrubbing toilets, all of it, picking up rugs, not sweeping stuff under them. Does that make sense? That's what the Spirit's after, not some facade. We go in with a little Lysol and spray it up, and it smells good for the day. It's time to clean house in your soul. If a person rejects, rejects this truth, then do not take it personally. Up here in the board, 1 Thessalonians 4 7 to 8, and he amplified. For God has not called us to impurity, but to holiness, to be dedicated and set apart by behavior. You see it by what? Behavior. I know, I know, right? But it's so much easier just to make it academic. It's so much easier just to feign understanding and then walk across the threshold and go back to my practical living, which is a train wreck waiting to happen. No, to be dedicated and set apart by behavior that pleases him, whether in public or in private. So whether, so, whoever rejects and disregards this is not merely rejecting man, but the God who gives his Holy Spirit to you to dwell in you and empower you to overcome temptation. In other words, a person isn't rejecting you even. They're rejecting God the Holy Spirit. If a person literally, and I'm sure someone in here is probably like, yeah, I just tuned out about 15 minutes ago. If someone's rejecting me right now, I can sleep at night because I know they're not rejecting me. They're rejecting the truth. Now, if I tried to be all like, don't you love me? And you rejected me, well, then you'd be rejecting me and it'd be right for me to be upset. In a sense, you get what I'm saying? That's why I keep myself out of that realm. I make myself almost unlikable. You're welcome. No, you're welcome. I've been paid a lot of money in my other lives industry to be likable to be presentable to do all that game I'm not here to do that I know what that game is and therefore I can cut I can cleave it out on a Sunday morning and not play that game not try to be your best buddy I'm not here to be your best buddy I'm here to deliver a meal if that meal makes your belly ache think about what you've been eating think about your lifestyle Maybe you've been drinking too much from the fountain. Maybe you're intoxicated. You know what it gets when you get hung over and your belly's all screwed up and squeamish and you can't even eat food anymore for a while. Not that I've ever been there. This is all Tammy, right? <laughs> right? No, do you know what I'm saying? Like, if, if, you, if this food is distasteful to you, there's a reason for it. There's a reason for it. You showed up like a drunk. You're intoxicated with the world. And therefore, the food, pure food, is disagreeable to your own belly. Does that make sense? And that's what he's trying to say to you. He's like, no, 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 no. You've been called to holiness. You've been called to behave a certain way. You've been called to walk the walk. Walk by means of the Spirit. And if you reject that and keep on living, the teacher can just say, it's not me. You, I did my job. On a morning like this, I know I'm doing my job. When you present somebody with the word of truth, and you're doing it not trying to be all snazzy, not trying to be likable, not trying to ingratiate yourself under false pretenses and make it about you, none of that, and they reject it wholly, you can sleep at night saying they didn't reject me. They rejected truth. And that becomes a primary issue between them and the Lord. And you've done your job. We need to encourage people, especially believers. Commit to the Lord and He will act. Go to Psalm 37, verse 1. Psalm 37, verse 1. Commit, right? Commit. To him, commit to obey. They're almost synonyms in some ways: commitment and obedience. S- Psalm thirty-seven, verse one. Psalm thirty-seven, one. Fret not yourself because of evildoers, but be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. Don't, that's holy scripture. Those, there's no lie whatsoever in that statement. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in His way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Commit to the Lord and He will act. That is Holy Scripture. Do not be deceived. Up here on the board, Philippians 4.13. But how? I can do all things through him who strengthens me. What can you do? Obey. How am I going to get through this? Obey. How will I ever overcome this? Obey. How will this heartbreak ever leave me? Obey. How will this? Obey. You stick with him. Remember at the beginning? Stick with Jesus and you go places. You stick with him. You cast all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. You say, I, "This is beyond me, Lord. This this fracture that's happening. I, you know, I, I did what You said. I pulled the string, and the the train came to a screeching halt. And now I've got all this carnage and people attacking me and pecking at me like chickens. Right? They're all over me. I can't. Get, it's like the remember uh, remember that the movie, The Birds. Remember that? Right they're all over me I can't get out. what do I do? I can't seem to recover and the Lord says, "Leave it up to me. let me handle them. you've done your job as long as you've done it as unto me now if there's some sketching going on there you've got some things to work out on your own, my friend, because I've got you for as long as you've got me. you want to function outside of my plan well you're running on you're running solo out there somewhere. I can protect you for as long as you obey me. Because you reap what you sow. If you sow good, you reap good. If you sow evil, you reap evil. So as long as you start sowing over there, I don't have your back that way. Matter of fact, as the Bible will teach you, I might even scoff at you the longer you go. But, but, but. and he's, I'm going to go, yeah, what, but? I told you. Yeah, what? But what? What's with the Barinsky's? right? What's with all that? I told you to obey. I told you I would have your back. I told you you can do all things through me who strengthens you, but you got to obey. You want to run solo on your own? See how that happens. You will end up being a proverb. You'll be a walking proverb. And then I'll point to you and say, don't do what that person did. Some of you are humble enough to know that you're a walking proverb right now. God has helped heal certain wounds, but you literally came to church this morning knowing that you're a walking proverb for others to look at and go, don't do what they did, because that's what happens. You end up with all this scar tissue on your soul. You end up alienated in certain ways. You end up cut off in other ways. You end up bound up in third ways, and fourth ways, all because of what? Poor decision making. When God said, I tried to stop you. I told you to stop here before it went too long. But you persisted long after I told you, stop right here. Get off the train right now before it gets too bad. Before it gets too much scar tissue you're going to have to live with the rest of your life. But you didn't listen to me. And now you're a walking proverb. I'm glad you're humble enough to accept that truth. Look, the Spirit's saying, you're no longer weak the way you once were. If you're a believer, you have Him. Up here on the board, Romans 8, 9-10, to you, however are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. You have this ability in you as a believer, in other words, to transcend circumstances. Maybe you are that walking proverb. Maybe you are just a bundle of scar tissue. The Word of God says, you know what? You can transcend that even. I can't take away all the scar tissue because I told you it would be there and it's there. But I, you can transcend it. You have the power to transcend it. You have the ability to live out your life with joy and peace and resolve and love. Even though you're scarred to the nines. So much of this is critical to keep in mind as we transition back now to our primary course of study. Let's at least get a little connective tissue. I might have to stop because we're going to end up chewing off a huge, massive chunk of work that I might as well just put off because it's been almost an hour. Proverbs 17, verse 6. Go there real quick. I'll see what the Spirit says on where to end. Proverbs 17, verse 6. Yeah, I know where I'm gonna end. So this is this is how we got on that topic since part the part forty-three or something like that in this series. On family. Grandchildren are the crown of the aged, and the glory of children is their fathers. In other words, there's this whole I even drew it out for you if I remember correctly. There's like an ecosystem in the family, right? That it's not just one family, but it's Family over children become parents, and they then you know, then they have children, and their children become parents, and there's this sort of like linkage throughout the generations. And that's the visual that the Spirit gave us at the outset here, uh, and that's how we ended up on families in general. Last Sunday, we, re- we received a nice overview of our messages on family, and since we didn't get to finish that. I was going to finish this morning, but obviously the Spirit had an awful lot to say otherwise on some other really important topics. But let me at least give you the front end of the review uh, up here on the board. On divine institutions, God is the one who created the institutions of marriage and family. Always, please always remember that. And it wasn't just for believers. It's for believers and unbelievers. God created the institution of marriage and family for everyone. He also chose to make us in his own image. So it makes sense that since family is a big deal to God, then it's a big deal to us as well. Therefore, up here on the board, God loves godly families. And I think this is where I'm going to end. Up here on the board, the value of discipline. The value of discipline in the family. The earlier you establish sound discipline in the family, the happier and more peaceful your family will be in the long run. Let me say that again. The earlier you establish sound discipline in the family, the happier and more peaceful your family will be in the long run. You might even say fewer scars, less scar tissue. The Spirit wants us to know what a godly family structure looks like so that we can model our own after it and be blessed. That's why all the work on family. And it starts with discipline. Discipline implies what? Obedience. What did we just learn at the start of class? If you want to be blessed, obey. If you want peace, obey. You want to be in the sphere of God? Obey. In the family, as we've learned, is a microcosm of God's family. And so when a family is godly, the rubbernecking angels can look at it and go, hey, that looks just like yours, Dad. I know. See what I can do by grace? I'm a gracious God. Look what I did for these cockroaches. They're blessed because I gave them the mercy and the grace and the love to have a nice little microcosm called their own family. Sure, some of them are going to mess it up royally, but some of them aren't. Some of them are going to make faith the centerpiece, Christ the centerpiece of their families, and they're going to be blessed out. And I'm going to point to them as positive proverbs. That's what I want you to look like. That's how I want you to behave. Their socks are blessed out for generations. Many of you in here have the exact opposite. You came from generations of dysfunction junction. And God's trying to break that in you, break that in you, break that in you. So that you can be the one that stops that momentum from generations of dysfunction. And God love you. You might be that generation. You might be that family. You might be that one family that stands out and says, I've had enough. My household, we're going to serve the Lord. Enough, enough. And we're going to start a new generation. We're going to start a whole new thing to bring glory to God. Amen? That's what we're going to do. You might be that person, and your arm's been on it for a month, or a year, or a decade. and You're too chicken, and you won't do it. Uh, and your, your arm, your, your flesh is—you know—don't, don't pull that. No. All hell's going to break loose. Good. Let the discipline begin. Let's get our house together. Let's get our house in order. Let's clean up house. And some, for some of you, that means physically. You understand what I'm getting at here? Fitness. This is a ubiquitous thing. Fitness requires discipline. You will never be fit if you're not disciplined. Some of you are like, I don't know why it doesn't work. Because you have no discipline. You're not fit in your personal life, your physical life, your emotional life, and not your spiritual life because you're unfit. You have no discipline. It starts with discipline. Does that make sense? That's what the Spirit's been saying for a really long time. Some of you need to get off your asses, starting with your physical. That's a temple you own. Any questions? How about spiritually? How about emotionally? Fitness! What do you think is at the root of fitness? Discipline! And why am I saying it with such fervor before I let you go? Why? Because it's obedience. That's not even me talking, that's me filled with the Spirit. God the Holy Spirit says, Be obedient. I'm the one who told you to take care of your life. I'm the one who told you to do and behave properly to bring glory to me in a manner that's worthy of me. Do you understand? This isn't Ed Collins. I got my own problems to deal with. Thank you very much. This is about discipline, this is about being fit. Across the board. So that's your answer. That's the holy grail, so to speak. That's the thing that you've been looking for. Why is my why am I miserable? Why am I why is my wife, my life in disarray? Maybe it is your wife, I don't know. Maybe why is my everything in disarray? You lack discipline. And if if you're a parent and your kids are undisciplined and brats. I don't know how else to tell you. They're fruit of your labor. If your kids are a bunch of undisciplined little brats, uh, uh, what would you like me to say? If your life is a bunch of undisciplined fruit, what would you like me to say? Do you want me to lie to you? Have I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? You want me to lie to you and say fitness doesn't mean anything? You might as well just take discipline and burn it on a heap? What would you like me to say to you? Do you want me to lie to you on a Sunday morning because it's sunny out and some of you are like, "I cannot wait to get out of here right now. You want me to lie to you on the way? I won't do it. I won't do it. I'm not I'm not put here to do anything but what I'm doing right now. I'm fighting for you. Do you realize that? I'm fighting for you. This takes discipline. It would have been a real easy for me to quit five minutes ago. Do you understand? This is what discipline looks like. It's fierce. It fights. It has integrity for the things it believes in. That's what discipline looks like. And what does the Bible say? Imitate that man's faith. Some of you with even half of what I just showed you, in five minutes would be a hell of a lot better off in your own lives. If you had even half of that kind of discipline, even that, half of that kind of fervency for your own life, for your own families, who you claim to love. Discipline. I don't know how else I can teach it, but that is honestly, folks, and all this is with love, that is honestly what it comes down to. 52 years and i'm convinced of it not just experientially but this experience is this it, 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 this is what it says this it says be disciplined be doers not merely hearers be disciplined walk in a manner worthy walk by means of the spirit walk How do you even walk if you're so decrepit and undisciplined and unfit? You can't even make it across the stage. There's no fervency in you because you're completely unfit because you've been lacking discipline and you're that proverb. You follow him getting out here, folks. This is really, really rubber hits the road type stuff. There's no getting around it, and it's why I will not relinquish it. To gray area. That's what I'm doing right now before you go. I will not seed that ground to you. Do you understand? I will not seed it. I will not give you that ground because if, if I give you that ground, and I'm speaking on behalf of the Spirit, if I give you all that ground, all bets are off. If you say, I don't really have to be disciplined. I don't really have to be fit. I don't really have to be any of this. I don't really have to clean house. I don't really have to keep an eye on it. Then what do you do? You're like, see, I got a, free, I got a freebie now i got a blank check now, because all bets are off. I will not cede that to you. And God loves me for doing it. You understand? Amen? All right, let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for giving us this time this morning. Thank you for truth that always sets us free, Father. Thank you for the fervency of the Holy Spirit, Father, as well, this morning. Makes things clear, makes things right makes us jettison any excuses, any lawyering even, we might have in our souls, compliments of the flesh. Father, we just ask for your blessings as we take the things we've learned back to the privacy of our own souls, our own homes, our families, our marriages, our communities, therefore our country even, Father. Father, we ask this in Jesus Christ's precious name. By the power of the Spirit, we do pray. Amen. Thank you.